Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. I am Elisa, and I'm smiling from ear to ear because today you are going to meet for the first time on this show someone who I consider such an impactful, influential leader following after God with all of his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and all his strength. Pastor John Tyson is on the show today. And if you don't know who John is, John is the lead pastor of the Church of the City in New York. Also the author of many books, many books. Here's what I love about John. I met John a couple years ago for the first time. Actually, he came across my YouTube uh, many years ago, maybe five years ago. And he preached in a way that was spirit and truth, like I'd, I'd never seen before. And it, it felt so uh, wonderful that I could be rationalizing and thinking with my head reasonably, but then also pulled into my heart. He's a man of great knowledge, but also wonder like a child. And I've been telling you this whole month as we've been bringing people on the show, what we're talking about is how how do we cultivate a hunger and keep a fire burning in our heart for God if we've lost it? Because remember, guys, if we're, if we're not burning for the things of God, if we're really not hungering for the things of God, we might just be doing behavior modification in the name of Jesus. And I don't want to minimize that because God meets us where we are, but he has no intentions of leaving us there. This whole ministry is about God and for God and that we would truly not just have a faith, but embody faith, that we would carry the fire of God. And John is going to help us do that. If you have lost your fire for God, your burn for God, if your faith feels rote, it feels flat, it feels like you just keep doing it and going through the motions, John's going to help us light our fire today with very practical things. So beautiful, like a love and a faith of a child, but also a discipline where we say, I want things in my life to matter for what matters most. All right. So enjoy this conversation and donors. Thank you for making this podcast happen week after week. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks guys. We'll talk again next week. Peace. Okay. Revelation wellness community. This one we've been waiting for, waiting for John Tyson is on the podcast today. And if you don't know who John Tyson is, I am going to let him tell you who he is. John, tell our people who you are, what you do. Well, it is it is a, it is a joy to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Mm, so um, I am a a pastor and an author, uh, originally from Australia, uh, in New York City. Really, I've can't been, tell. I've been here for it'll be eighteen years this year oh in New God. York, which blows my mind. Feels like home. Uh, raised both my kids here; they went all the way through school. Um, yeah, I am passionate about the things of God. I'm passionate about people reaching their full redemptive potential, mm-hmm. overcoming what holds them back, stepping into what God has for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm married, been married to uh, my beautiful wife I met in college, been married mm-hmm. 25 years this year. Uh, I have two kids. Mm-hmm. I have a son who is 22, and I have a daughter who just turned 20. So empty nesters, teenagers yeah. are gone. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. We're tracking like at the exact kind of same pace. Your kids are a little older than mine. I have a 21 and a 19 year old, but yeah, empty nested, 25 years of marriage, um, but not living, living the in dream. You're well, yeah, yes, we are, but I love, I have such a heart. You know, Revelation Wellness Community, I, I love New York City. Like I, I love a city, period. Give me a city. 
And I do love like getting away into the quiet, but I can't be there too long. I need the burn. I need the, I need the tension. I need the grit. Yes, me too. I thrive on it. (laughs) I'm in, uh, I'm in Hell's Kitchen, which is a historically nasty neighborhood. And I've just done a few meetings in, you know, walking around here. And uh, that's a great word. It's still gritty. New York, Hell's Kitchen is still a gritty neighborhood. And uh, I like it. I know you do. So maybe I'd love a little context of just your heart for New York City. Like, could you tell that story about like a poster on your wall? Didn't you have something like New York City, like the Lord captures your heart and you have no no idea where you just knew like like New York City, like when I was supposed to go there from Australia. Tell that story. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a a crazy story. So um, what's actually was not about New York. It was just about America. Okay. Um, When I, I became a Christian the weekend, I turned 17. Uh, I was a, I'm a butcher by trade. So at 16, I dropped out of high school uh, to do an apprenticeship as as a butcher, became a Christian the weekend I turned 17 and felt immediately called to come to the US. I can't put it into words. It was very supernatural, very, very real to me. Um, Like a Macedonian call. I mean, I can't explain it. I went to my youth pastor. I said, I feel like I'm meant to go to America. He said, why would you go there? It's filled with seminaries pumping out Christians. Mm. I said, I don't Mm. know. Um, when I was 19, I had a great boss. And when I was 19, he said, Hey, everyone's just getting drunk on the weekends, waste all their money on alcohol, save your money and buy a house. So I bought a house when I was 19 (laughs) and went down to, um, like a local poster shop and said, Hey, do you have any pictures of America? I think this is my destiny. So I just bought some random picture and, uh, put it, put it up on my fireplace and would just pray every night, God, open a door. This is what Paul prayed, open a door for me to get to America. Mm-hmm. He's, he wasn't praying to get to America, but <laughs> open it off for the gospel. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't think about that too much. Um, long story short, uh, a group of friends decide to get a brownstone in New York to sort of like live in this radical life. And um, so buy this brownstone, $16 million or something. It's in the middle of Hell's Kitchen. Amazing with this vision of doing prayer and worship and community space mm-hmm. and cultural renewal and all the rest of it. So uh, I'm living in this building. And then my mom comes to visit me from Australia and she says, hey, John, I found all of your old um, handy cam tapes. And um and I was like, oh, wow, I thought I lost all of those. So I rush and get them digitized. Okay. And I'm walking back. I get them in a Dropbox file. And as I'm walking back, I have this moment where I'm absolutely stunned because the picture that was on the fireplace that I would pray in every night, mm-hmm. Lord, please open a door to America. I, I get this footage of me giving myself a tour of my house to my future self. And as I flash past that poster, it's a poster of the very street I live on in New York City. That, there it is. I'm like, there's some connection to New York. Come on. <laughs> I just sat there dumbfounded. I always uh, tell people, man, that the prayers you pray when you were new in your faith and you're mm. very, very sincere are some of the most potent prayers because they're pure motives. Yeah. You don't, you're just so in love with Jesus. You don't understand all these dynamics. You're just grateful to be in the kingdom. And anyway, that's one of the wildest. And uh, so I can't sort of orient you as to where I am right now, but I'm on that street as we speak. So yes, it's yeah. just a wild story. 
So it's so good to know you're exactly where you're supposed to be, <clears throat> which yeah, that is that is somewhat somewhat helpful. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Well, after how hard things have been the last couple of years, it is definitely reassuring. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says to Timothy um, to recall the prophetic words spoken over you, mm-hmm. that by recalling you may fight well. Mm-hmm. And there's times when our we just get beat up and we lose mm-hmm. heart, and you got to bring those those promises, those words, those things back, so that you can keep fighting. And isn't that, that's what we're talking about this month. And that's why I'm like, we got to get John on the podcast. I think Corey is coming and okay. um, my friend, Nina Landis, who's friends with Corey. Okay. And, and you guys are just like, I stand next to you in this burn for Christ, burn for God to come burn for his people. And so we're talking about keeping the fire of our heart worship burning that we tend to that fire. And I know I, I just heard your uh, sermon you did this last weekend. Was it this last weekend that God comes where yes. he's wanted? Yes. Tell Psalm 63. Tell, tell, tell them. Well, about no, that. I mean, I, I, the, the youth group I became a Christian in was, was, uh, was a Pentecostal youth group experiencing just an extraordinary move of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I mean, I'm a thoughtful person. I've analyzed this sociologically. What were the group dynamics psychologically? Was there a meaning void that I was wrestling with? Was I in a developmental stage where I was prone to the influence of older leaders? Did I need psychologically other figures to come in? Was I in my early 20s disproportionately open to advice? And pro- like I've, I've analyzed this thing to death. And my answer is, nope, it was just an absolute move of God. That's why my, so, it was just a wild outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've never experienced anything like it since. And I've, but it's always given me this passion for what was that that I encountered? I've had, I've had one or two moments of it. I've had radical encounters, but I haven't had a sustained, I haven't had a sustained experience like that. That was, you know, two years long. So um, anyway, I I just said, you know, I sort of want to understand the principles of what revival is and, and why does God show up in some places and not others? And how do we build a place where God wants to come and be? And is there anything you can do outside the sovereignty of God? So that's become one of the great quests of my life. Um, I took my family on a 17 location revival tour around the world to try and research and understand what happened here. What were the key principles? What played a role in God showing up? And um, so I did this big tour and I came back after reading, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours of revival history. And everyone was basically like, is there a key? And I said, yes, I found a key. Like, well, what is it? And the answer is simple. I sum it up in one sentence, which is God comes where he's wanted. That's it. Hunger is the key attribute. People who were desperate are completely different than people who are not desperate. Desperate people do crazy things. The problem with the world we live in today is every instinct we have is designed to satiate us and remove desperation from us. We're completely numbed. We're being lulled to sleep. Mm. We're just, we're an autopilot. I saw a thing this morning, 46, this is just out of Harvard, 46% of all human behavior is autopilot. Mm -hmm. There's no intentionality. There's no awareness. We're drifting through our days. And then every now and then you get people who sort of wake up and say, God, we simply refuse not to have an outpouring of your spirit. Like we want you here. Yes. And so that's the, that's the great experiment. Can you build an atmosphere that is so desperate for God that he says, okay, here I am. So that's been the great quest of the last 25 years of my life. And I tell you, we are on the front end of something here in New York. Like we've, we've got, you know, we've got a level of desperation. That's wild. We've got people commuting in from the South Bronx an hour to get to prayer at 6 a.m. 
you know, we've got, we've got people coming up from DC for our all night prayer meetings. And uh, it's, it's amazing. So I think we, I genuinely think we're on the front end of something kind of extraordinary. And then you're going to be with us I'm in a couple of weeks you where we're bringing I, all of our best people in. Do you know, John, and, and this is in all transparency, I've never witnessed a move of God. I've heard it. I haven't had, I mean, I have been hungry for God. He has captured my heart. It's like him and I've had this little personal flame burning for a long time, but I'm looking for others who are catching on fire and trying to find out where they are. I will go. And I want to see a move of God, not just see people moving for God or like trying to make it happen, but that, that they, they're, they're contending for the God to come. And I've, I've, I've heard of it. Like I wasn't that the Toronto outpouring, the Toronto, whatever that, yes. you know, that blessing, like I, like when you say you were in Australia and there was a move, I'm like, why, why have, I have not seen one and I'm fascinated. Well, I want it. Well, I'll tell you, um, it's, it's what I said to people like, you know you're in the move of God when you're not in charge of the encounter. So you have some meaning. Wow. Your heart is you 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 cry, your heart's stirred, God feels near. But you have those other times where you're just like you're not running what's happening. Like you're on your face involuntarily and you can't do anything else. I had that this past summer in the Hebrides. Yeah. I went over to the Hebrides and um I went there, I went there in, in 2018. The last great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Western culture happened in the Hebrides uh, in the 49 through 51 or two. And um, you read the, you read revival in the Hebrides by Duncan Campbell. And it's just mind boggling. So yep, it's like, I got, we, it I got to go there. Me. I got to yep. go there. And then I went there again this summer and I met the pastor who had pastored that church where that happened. Yeah. He's a guy my age, mid forties. And, uh, they were hosting a, a a revival press service. And I'm telling you, God came down with such power. I was, I was not in charge of the encounter. I mean, it just is like time disappeared. There's no such thing as time. You're caught up in an eternal now. I mean, it's just very hard to explain. It's just like God was there. You're talking to God, not about God. You just, it's like almost being in another realm, but you're mm-hmm. fully there. Anyway, it's just absolutely wild. So anyway, I, I was like, do you want to come to this conference I'm doing called the Altars Conference and just do whatever that was? So we've got those folks coming in. I mean, just just a while. So I think the key, the challenge is to cultivate hunger in a lukewarm culture, to, to, to choose hunger, to choose desperation when nothing in the world tells you you should be. I, I feel like we missed a moment in COVID. COVID showed us something. Here's what it showed us. It is possible to reorient the world's entire life around something invisible. That's what COVID Oh taught. my gosh. It, it is. So it is, true. It is, no, it's possible for every single person. They do this in World World War II. You read about, you know, wartime rationing. I just uh, read a book on the Inklings, the history of the Inklings, C.S. Lewis, um, you know, Tolkien, those guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, they fought in World War One, but then in World War II, it's like, hey, there's no ham. Why? Because we're rationing. You couldn't get the supplies because the whole country just says, you know, we're voluntarily going without for a need. Mm-hmm. COVID showed us that it is possible to everybody in the world to change their schedule. Here's my vision. That happens because of the manifest presence of God. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say that's what I want, a reorientation of all of life around the tangible presence of God. And every now and then it happens. I'm, I'm like, Lord, please, before I die, <laughs> I believe. Well, let me Lord. tell you, that yeah. sort of hunger. Yeah. 
you're in very, you're in, you are far along the path. <laughs> That's it. I mean, there's not, there's no other thing. Once you get that vision for that, nothing else satisfies. There is no right. um, success. There's nothing this planet can give me right. that will satisfy me other than yeah. that. That's Psalm 73. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what else is there? Right. There's nothing right. else. Who on earth, who have I in heaven but you? Who on earth? Nothing I desire besides you. And when you get to that point of desperation, that is the early signs of something. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's birthing pains for sure. I'm so achy, yeah. achy for, because as I was telling you about John, the community that is listening to you right now, I mean, they are, have been inundated with a lot of behavior modification, a lot of good programs, rules, regimen, habits habits, you know, these things that we can try and bring into control and we can maybe surrender those unto God and, and a disciplined life, which you and I both are very big fans of the disciplined life of that, you know, you are more disciplined the, than I am in maybe some places and you and others, <laughs> you challenge me that hundred hours every year. I think about the hundred hours and yeah. that matters, that stuff matters, but that feels like the stuff that's in our control when what's it really about? And then are we willing to lose control of the things that we think it's about for something so much more beautiful and mysterious and to have the hunger for that? So how, when someone loses their hunger, how do they get it back? Well, part of it, you've got to acknowledge uh, what I'm talking about is not emotions. Mm -hmm. yeah, desperation is not a state of emotion. It's a mm -hmm. state of reality. You wow. can be absolutely desperate, but not like feel anything that you, you, but something's got to give. Mm -hmm. So um, number one, you've got to differentiate because a lot of times you talk about this, people like, I just don't feel like what you feel. I'm like, there's not a feeling. We probably feel the same. There's just something burning at a deeper level. There is a smoke from a deeper fire, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, that you sort of smell. Um, then you've got to realize that um, there could be multiple reasons why you're not feeling it. One could be that there's sin in your life or there's, hab uh, there's uh, places of compromise. Um, you know, God got angry, uh, the church of Thyatira, I think it is, from what they tolerated. You tolerate that. So sometimes you, get, you, know, you don't get what you aspire to. You get what you tolerate. And sometimes we tolerate sin. We live in a world that calls sin normal. And we set standards that are very, very low and call it holiness. We set standards we can manage and say, this is what God had in mind by biblical holiness. So sometimes it can be this like levels of compromise or even lack of awareness. Oh, wow. This just seemed normal in our culture. So that could be part of it. Number two, God could be playing hard to get consciously withdrawing his presence to make you come after him. And uh, when you read the lives of the saints, they all went through some sort of dark night of the soul, which is like, where did God go? And mm -hmm. he's doing that to purify your faith and to make sure that you're not living on human emotion, the flesh, personal ambition, a spiritual greed, which is just a desire for more experiences without mm. God himself. Mm. So sometimes it, we feel dry because it's a work of purification. And, um, and then sometimes it's spiritual warfare. The enemy is trying to resist us, beat us down, stop us hungering. And, um, but I, I was just say, how do you get your hunger back? I know of no better practice to whack you into immediate gear. Now, again, this is a community that's concerned with health and wellness significantly. And I'm very, very sensitive to people with a history of eating disorders, how this might trigger some stuff or whatever, but I know of no other practice other than fasting yeah. to, if, if you're not hungry, you can choose hunger yeah. by, by curating appetites. Yeah. Yeah. And um, our, our church is on a 
everyone's doing some kind of fast right now. Right. And um, and I'm telling you, it's just when you're hungry, it's like, oh, I want to eat right now. And again, mm-hmm. you can, I, I'm not a legalist when it comes to fasting. I've written about it. Um, I think you can, depending, like you can fast from YouTube. And some people say that's, that's abstination. That's not fasting. I'm like, you know what? It's better than just going along with American <laughs> culture. So don't disqualify. That's right. The goal is basically to take your time, energy, attention towards one thing and reallocate it to another thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then what that does, that's the fallow ground. That's the promise of Hosea 10, break up your fallow ground. More is possible. So go to those areas where there's like, this ground, it just hasn't been cultivated. Yeah. And yes. cultivate it and, and see what God does. The Bible says God rewards those who diligently seek him. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So um, it's not like God's way off and he couldn't care. This is the father waiting to run down the road. All we have to do is turn home. Mm. I know it doesn't always feel like that. Um, but again, uh, let your feelings follow your, let your feelings follow your decisions and your commitment. You know, if you wait to feel the right way, you know this, you won't do anything. So again, I think it's a part, yeah, you've got to discern the mo- discern, understand that periods of dryness and and uh, are natural and are part of the walk of faith. Then you have to discern what is the cause of it. But then you also have to say, hey, God, in spite of whatever these things are, stir me up. So Augustine says, talks about God stirring us to seek him. And so sometimes that's just a prayer. Lord, wake me up, wake up my heart. Yeah. You know, I think a beautiful prayer that God loves is, I don't want you, but I want to want you. I think he takes that yeah. all day long, you know? Uh, so maybe that's the prayer. Lord, help me to want you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not yes. hungry. I feel numb. Help me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think for our community, particularly, it's fasting was stolen. The, the, the beauty of it, the discipline, or even the, the holiness of it by a culture of intermittent fasting and fasting to, you know, for your health and fasting for this and it's not, it's, I just, I get jealous for that. Cause I'm like, that is a spiritual, that belongs to my father. And we're using it for weight loss. We're using it for insulin resistance and there are benefits yeah. to it, but yes, yes. There are taints. a lot of benefits to it. Yes. It, but, but, but the heart of it back to the heart and the flame is I'm desperate. But That's I, right. I, if you can, it's possible to do non-religious fasting where what you do is you know, your body starts to heal itself and it's yep. like good for you and it regulates yep. all that stuff. That's great. That's yeah. not the kind of fasting the Bible is talking about. That's They're right. talking about consciously going after God. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, if, if fasting's kind of been stolen from you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe fast something else that you do love, that you That's do right. go to, that you do there find you joy in and yeah. try and find satisfaction. One thing Corey will tell you, which we don't know how to handle, is like the breakthrough is on the other side of boredom. Oh, so, I've heard like him the, say that like the prayer yeah, so, room is boring, guys. It's boring, but you go. Yeah, and then you never know what will happen. That's right. And so again, we're so used to. There was a a, a French um, sociologist philosopher who had this concept called hyperreality. This mm-hmm. is the challenge: is we live in a world where that which we've created is better than that which is real, and so we're addicted to hyperreality. Or oh, what is pornography? It's like it's not real sex and yet it stops people being able to have sex. That's high yes. reality. You're in love with something that is an illusion of the real thing. Mm. Um, it's just so much of, of, of um, the media is just like cultivating things that are not real and it stops mm. us from living in real life. And so often we can not know how to confront reality mm. and uh, reality is often a, a lot more boring 
than TikTok or social mm. media or YouTube yes. or Hollywood or whatever. So you have to learn, but that's all an illusion. It's the matrix. Like you are literally, it's um, inception. It's all just a fantasy. Yes. So sometimes when you confront reality, it can be a challenge to do with that boredom. But once you break through that, you realize that there is a glorious God on the other side of it. So to me, I think the best practice I have is probably kind of a spiritual reading, which I would be like contemplating the scriptures yeah. and pondering that leads to wonder that brings you into worship. Uh, okay. Do you, can you do an example of that? Pull a piece yeah, of scripture. Well, I mean, do yeah. So a lot of times people like you read a, you read a passage of scripture and you go, great. And then you're done and you're like, you don't know what to pray. You've prayed everything you know, and it's over in five minutes. You've prayed for the whole world's needs. You've prayed for world peace, environmental protection. And you're like, I'm, I'm done. So spiritual reading is like slowing it down. Yes. And like you read a little section and um, I say an example is so Colossians 1 verse, verse 9 through 14. Uh, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, I have not stopped praying for you. You go, oh, hang on a sec. Paul references prayer or praying in his epistles over 65 times. He's got nine prayers in First and Second Thessalonians. He's got seven in Ephesians. Like we think of Paul as a great theologian, but Paul was a great man of prayer. And um, so I've not stopped praying for you. Now then you so you just go, oh, that's so interesting. What stops me praying? And then you ask yourself the question, well, here's what starts me praying. I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. It's boring. It's hard. And then you just stop and you say, hey, God, Paul never stopped praying and I stopped praying all the time. And here's why I stopped praying. I pray because I'm bored. I pray because I don't believe you're going to answer. I don't pray. Would you help me be a person who never stops praying? Then you think about other examples like the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Lord, please, what does this mean? So you're just in this whole thoughtful, yeah. contemplative dialogue. And then... Then you read the next little bit, um, you know, and he, Paul goes on and talks uh, uh, that you may live a life worthy of God, increasing in knowledge of him, bearing fruit in every good work. It's like, oh, wow, increasing the knowledge of God. Wow, I've been a Christian for yeah. almost 30 years and I feel like I've got you figured out, but I bet I don't know a thing. So it's just like, it's sort of a contemplative, interactive reading and that catches yeah. your heart up. And yeah. I think that on its own, we don't know how to read like that. We've got chat GPT or whatever. We can get information spat out minute by minute. Hmm. The people who can to contemplate in Latin has the idea of laying the grounds of a temple. And a contemplate is to take in your mind thoughts and build a boundary that you fix on and it becomes a temple that you're caught up to in worship. Wow. And I think that's a huge part of what we do. It's a Christian meditation is the opposite of secular meditation secular meditation is to empty the mind christian meditation is to fill the mind mm. and i was just like you get good at that mm. very you know no stress mm. uh, we say um in new york they have these um these what are they called the, the, the company is called no chewing allowed and they're basically these truffles chocolate truffles and they just have to sit in you oh, and you, everything yeah. within you wants to chew them you're like let me have four more but if you actually are patient and just let it it, the whole thing melts and it's just, it's kind of like that. We want to just chew the Bible up yes. and get on with it rather than just yes. wash over us. You know, I know of no better practice to wake up hunger for God than slowly reading through something, meditating on it, and then praying that back to God. No, no thing I know does, does more for me than that.
that's so crazy. Cause I literally just, um, I saw your post today. I was sharing it. I always like love what's going on at church, the city. And, um, I was reminded how people had, what it's January. What is the date? 12, 13, 12, 12. Yeah. So 12 days in a lot of people start the Bible in a year app and yeah. I'm all for read the Bible, like less Netflix, read some Bible, like fill your mind, but it's the race to like stay on track. And people are trying yeah. to do their daily reading. Cause it helps kind of tick that box for us. And I just, that's good. Say, hey, yeah. hey, if you're behind, like, it's okay. I think God prefers slow and deep over fast and surface. And we just have that, 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 that is such a beautiful picture of how to stir the hunger up is slow down, meditate on the word, ask questions of yourself and of God and have that like kind of a Lectio Divina in some way. Right. Yeah. Well, Beekner, I mean, he's, he's got this famous for this, this whole thing on listen to your life. Yeah. And basically what he says is paying attention. What, what art does art puts a frame around something yeah. that you would not normally notice. Yes. And so art makes you stop and pay attention. Yeah. And what we have to learn to do is sort of frame, pay attention mm. and put a frame around the things we sense God doing and then observe it sort of like a visio divina, which is like, you know, Oh, that's good. You, yeah. You pay, that's a whole discipline. You're paying attention. You're watching. And then, you get drawn into it. And if you do it right, it's almost like the voyage of the dawn treader. You find yourself falling into the scene. You find God in that particular place. And so I'm the other thing I would say is it would describe is, is learning to be present with your own story. You're not going to find God out, out there somewhere. God is where you are, but we mm. rarely see him. So much of the Bible is like, Jacob is like, surely the Lord was in this place. I didn't know it. And so often, we have a lack of awareness due to our distraction that we can't see what God's doing around us. He may be doing way more than we're aware of. We're just on autopilot. So I'm a big believer, yeah, in sort of the charismatic contemplative. It's like power, glory, fire, hunger. Also stillness, quiet, worship, mm. wonder, paying attention. And I think it's the combination of both of those things that keep the bonfire burning. What are your, I know, I know a couple practices you taught me, like, just to, to keep your fire going. So you've talked about that. What else are the things that you go, I don't compromise on this because I know it fuels me. I know it fuels the fire that then I burn and I go back and I'm, I, I'm, I'm still his, I'm still locked in. Oh, I mean, I'm a big believer in the power of beauty. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I had the, like a, a mind boggling privilege of getting mentored by Tim Keller. Uh, when I first moved to New York yeah. and he would say, we, our heart is not designed to take in the amount of beauty that we see every day. No generation that has ever lived has witnessed the amount of brokenness that we watch. So I want you to say, there's no people that have ever lived in all of history. Think about all the horrors that have ever lived that have personally with their own eyes beheld as much brokenness as this generation has. Yeah. Social media, TV, everything is mm -hmm. fed to us. So back in the day, a hundred years ago, you'd read about, you know, the Titanic going down, you'd say, wasn't that terrible? But today you have 20 people live streaming, it's sinking, you know, the, mm -hmm. and so this is, wow, we have true. to take it, we have to take in as much beauty to heal our hearts as as much brokenness as we see. Like we've got to flood our hearts with beauty. And that may, and good art is pointing beyond itself to something bigger than itself. And it's a portal into seeing the beauty of God. And so I, I'm a big believer in like getting into nature, seeing creation, um, aesthetic beauty. 
um, mm-hmm. art, poetry, all of that stuff that makes that makes you alive. So how do you cultivate wonder? You yeah, know, a lot of that sort one. of stuff. So yeah. Wonder. You're you're one yeah. who I didn't have a word for what I was craving so much and actually beginning to like explore. And I'm like, oh, it's a heart of wonder in me that is coming yes. alive. I, first time we met when I told you I had my Vespa scooter, still have that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Every time so I'm good. on it, wonder comes alive. Wonder and so being in the air and the elements around me, there's this experience. And so I know, yeah, we share that in common and our love for moving vehicles with two wheels. <laughs> Oh my gosh, nothing puts me into a flow state and fills me with joy and glory than getting on my motorbike and just going upstate. I mean, there's, there's just nothing on earth. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> That's beauty for you. That's beauty. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think everyone, it's, it's actually, I read this wonderful book on focal practices and it was a book that basically says we have to choose things that demand our presence because we're so distracted. They have, we have to, and they train us to pay mm-hmm. attention. And focal practices are those things you can't control. Like one of the biggest focal practices is bird watching. Which means you have to wow. sit in the middle of the woods and you have to wait and you have to receive. Can't control a bird coming or going. You have to differentiate their beaks, their wings, their call. And so you have to literally sit there with a the trained eye. And when it shows up, it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. Can you believe it? Now, I don't do bird watching, even though in the Ramble uh, in New York is one of the world's famous birdwatching places, but you've got to find your own version of what those things are. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I believe those things can be portals into the, the manifest glorious presence of God. I was out hiking with my daughter the other day and she actually, we wasn't into the hiking and just kind of got tired. And um, we pulled aside so that my husband and my son could go ahead and finish the hike. And we were just hanging out in kind of the shade of this, this bramble bush really. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden we hear this like this, I'm like, what is that? And sure enough, we're kind of moving towards this piece of wood on the ground, this driftwood on the ground. And it's a little woodpecker just inside the wood, just going. And we're watching it and we're dead silent and quiet. And she's like, that's our woodpecker. And we were kind of trying to find out what kind of woodpecker it was. And we're Googling like what kind of woodpecker it is. And then all of a sudden she goes, wow, I can see how people get into bird watching. Because it was so we like mysterious and wondrous and just it took her mind somewhere so when there's something to that, appear that you cannot control this yeah that's what it is it's like yeah wonder is very close to awe sort of like a surprise and delight that emerges with psychologists that say that one of the gifts of wonder is um it it de-selfs us it de-centers the self because you're you go beyond yourself, you're drawn into the experience over which you have no control. You're caught up in beauty, and then you disappear. Mm-hmm. Because we live in a world where everything else disappears, so we emerge. Wow! And I think that's that's one there of the gifts is. that's so oh. deeply connected to that. John, what are the disciplines you put in place to keep yourself in the fire? To like, I, I mean, I. Yeah, I, I guess I am pretty disciplined. I don't feel disciplined. You are. Like, Tell me like yeah, when. You, you know, but I, I know I am. Like I, I look at how other people live and how I live and I'm like, oh, I don't do most of those things. I don't know. I don't watch any TV. I don't watch much. Except like, for the sons of whatever sports. that you did get lost in one time. And I love that you got lost in it. Wasn't oh, the sons of whatever? It's the sons of sons of anarchy. <laughs> I, I'm Listen, here's the thing. I'm actually not a legalist about it. You know, but all, all things are lawful and all things are beneficial. That's right. Um, That's right. I guess I just realized, you know, 
it's the prayer of Moses, a man of God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There it is. You know, I've been alive something like 16,841 days or something. And um, I don't know how many more I got. Mm. This might be a, a podcast like, wow, did he know? And then there he goes. And that was the end. I don't know, probably not statistically. But it's like, I, I, life is too short to fill it with dumb stuff that doesn't last. And I, th I think I'm just acutely aware of it. that's the gift of, you know, a middle age, I guess. That is true. Is you, you shift from accomplishment and success to that's meaning right. and wonder. Yeah. And you start trying to go deep. So I guess I just want to do those things. I don't waste. I think I'm, I, I, here's what I'm saying. I think I am more time conscious than any other person I know. Absolutely. I would have. Yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. just, I, I walk around with a sense of, a desire to steward and use that's what the bible says it's just uh you know don't be unwise um make the most of the time because the days are evil mm. and uh and, and that word is actually it's not chronos it's kairos it means whatever maximize whatever season you're in so there's no legalism like every event has to just like no what season am i in and how do i get what god wants out of that season i think that's a big one time awareness i don't do yeah i do things that may look petty but they're life-giving and meaningful um I just, I think our intake of media is obscene. Yes. I think we're, we're watching probably thousands of hours a year of stuff we don't even like that much. Uh, and I just think, who could you be if you read deeply, you walked around and thought, you, you prayed for other people, you served, you got outside of yourself. Well, I think your heart would come strangely alive. I think that's probably the biggest thing is like an evaluation of your time, not in a legalistic way, in a, in a diligent, life-giving, wise way. I don't know. Therefore that, and then it's filled with like, I know what gives me life and I do it a lot. Yeah. And stuff I don't like, I, I have the discipline to cut out and yeah. then I end up doing more stuff that I love than I don't like hate. And I, tend, and I tend to be someone filled with wonder and joy. Did you, when you were like you know the lord came and like redeemed your heart and transformed you was there a, a shift like prior john was he like wasting time and doing uh, prior, like prior john was living like dead poet society i was sucking the marrow out of life it was a common it was like romanticism existentialism hedonism okay and and then i, I fell in love with God, all of that passion, that vision, sucked the marrow out of life, was redirected to the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, is. yeah, it was. It was just like, you know, it was disordered love, was misallocated mm -hmm. joy. Mm -hmm. And it, when it sort of was routed to the proper source, I was like, mm -hmm. you know, it was Psalm 16, the end of Psalm 16, um, to, in your presence is fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore at your right hand. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think we think of the presence of God as like, joy and pleasures mm -hmm. but that's the existential spirit experience of, of an encounter with god you know people say what are those experiences with god like i'm like imagine being you talk to the greatest revivalists and they'll say it's two things if you're not right with god it's the fear of god and if you're right with god it's the love of god and it yeah, feels it like you are dipped in a liquid oh. love that is so overwhelming you have to say stop i think i'm going to explode i've had that on two occasions like you could have stopped this i'm literally do not have the capacity as a human being to, to have much more of this. Well, once you get a little bit of a taste of that, nothing else is ever good enough. Everything else is such a distant second. You're sort of ruined forever. So I guess I've had a, a couple of encounters like that. The C.S. Lewis yeah. um, 
used the concept, it was a German philosophical concept called Sehnsucht. And it was like longing. And he says, that's how he became a Christian. His longings ultimately led him to God. He called him, he called it joy. But um, he said the unfulfilled longings of God are more satisfying than the fulfilled longings of the world. I think, I think that's happened to me. I think that's happened. The hunger is a joy. Even if it's not fulfilled, that, that is better than the fulfillment of the world. And bring it to altars. January, like Lord, bring that. Do that. Oh, it'll listen, it'll be there. It'll be there. (laughs) I mean, we got desperate folks. I'm coming. That's I'm bringing it. You're one of the desperate people. Okay, one more question. You say that the Holy Spirit is not a gentleman. Go expand upon that. Well, I think I'm just reacting to my Pentecostal theology. Um, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can put out the Spirit's fire, um, which is, I guess, shows how intimately involved with God's presence we are. But on the day of Pentecost, God wasn't asking permission. He wasn't asking permission. He just came and just did what he did. So um, I think authentic encounters with God are not manufactured. It's not like. It's been polite. We've been polite. We've been doing the 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 routines and the habits and that's when like let's let's get him out of the box he doesn't he's ready to blow and it's gonna not be yeah i mean the 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 images of the holy spirit um i mean there's so many um the job description of the holy spirit comforter helper here when he comes to convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment Mm -hmm. empowerment so the holy spirit is gracious kind enabling um, but when, so that, that's the job description, which all sounds very loving and gentle on paper, but the experience of that, when you read it is, uh, they were cut to the heart yeah. and said, what must we do to be saved? Yeah. Uh, there's the yeah. building is shaking with a violent wind. There's tongues of fire on their head. Yeah. Um, you know, in the book of Acts, when the apostle Paul heals someone by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says they did everything within their power to restrain them from offering sacrifices to them because they said the gods have come down in human form. Yeah. Uh, Peter's shadow, they're trying to get his shadow on people so that they can be healed by his shadow. Yeah. Like, what is that? Here's, here's what that is. Yeah. There's more available to us. Yeah. This is not all that's available. And so we should like, let's, let's go get after it. That's the point, you know, and you often get people who are so, so freaked out by the excesses of the charismatic, Yeah, you know, well, look at those people shaking or barking like dogs or, you know, that school of supernatural ministry. That's, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. Well then what, what do you have? You've got a dead orthodoxy that's making Mm -hmm. a generation walk away from church because your heart is calcified and cold. (laughs) Oof. And I would always rather be with, the, you know, I, I would, I don't like, if, if you had to push me, I'd rather be with a weirdos than a cold dead church. Sign me know? up. Yeah, I'm with you. Put me on that boat. I'd Which rather is... be in a beautiful combination of like power and theology. Yeah. If, I, if you put a gun to my head. You have to put, pick one. I get, and don't yeah. you think that's what we're contending for? Because there is that division in the church of the anti-word of faith and the words like that whole division. Not that it's, I don't want to over-glamorize, but I think we tend to find those labels and go, which one are you? You know, the, the yeah, the we word. use the phrase we use is theology that can't be dismissed power that can't be denied. Mm, you know, so I want, is. I want people to say, 
hey, John's thoughtful. He's well-educated. He's well-read. He's faithful to God's word. He's yeah. not like a wacky, sees a demon under everything. He understands psychology, sociology, history. But he's hungry for God. You know, you do that. I want to be that. And I don't think there's a lot of folks there aren't um, that value that in a section. There know? aren't. And, and that's, 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 that's that was my, my, like the, the spirit drawing me to you. I mean, I definitely put it, make me choose. I'll take the weirdos. But I don't want to get so I, I, the word of God's beautiful. I need him to be a father that is that is steadfast, that is certainty. I'm not floating off my emotions or needing yes, that. Yes. It, it, so I need both God. And as a person who understands homeostasis of the body and balance of the body, opposition of the body, tension of the body, things exist and grow under tension. So he is a God that is supernatural, blows out of the box, but at the same time, he's got some word we can re, you know bring in and apply in a very concrete way. So he's, yeah. he's, he's all that. Yeah. And that's why I just absolutely love that you are in New York city of all cities, because you're not, uh, making excuses for being you know, that charismatic kind of really out there with, with wanting people to experience the Holy spirit. That's so crazy in New York city. Like, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just don't know the underculture of New York city, but I've never no, known. I a would pastor. not say that that's not a normal I mean, that is not certainly a normal posture for Manhattan. That's what I'm saying. And you're doing it. But that's just the Lord's call and anointing on your life to get you there to do this. That's why I'm like, we're going to New York City, whatever. Come on up. See Tell you soon. All the things, all the things. Okay. What, but is there anything you want people to know, go to, direct them to? He, you guys, authors, all the books, Beautiful Resistance, so good. Creative Minority, The Burden is Light, The, inter, the Intentional Father. If you have a son and a husband or in your, your husband and son relationship, you got, you have a whole curriculum on that going now, don't you? Something for sons. And yeah, yeah, I do. I, if yeah, I was going to, if I, if I was going to tell you to read any book, it would probably be your audience. It would be the book. The burden is light. The subtitle is liberating your life from the tyranny of performance and success. There we go. And I feel like that's a book that's like, Hey man, you know, like do anyway, the whole thing is sort of like to get that psychic pressure off us to be successful that does so much damage and i am surrounded by successful people in manhattan financially successful beautiful people powerful yeah. people yeah. and i can tell you success is not as good as you hope that's right so true so yeah how do we get jesus easy yoke rather than the heavy yoke of the world yeah awesome yeah. anyway and then all the youtube sermons you guys church and city um uh, on YouTube. It's a, it's a regular for our staff. We're always passing them around. Did you see this one? Did you see this one? And that's, uh, that's funny. we're excited. So, okay. Now I have three fun off the cuff questions. Ready? First okay. one, one coffee, tea, kombucha. What's your go-to coffee? Your coffee. Guy. No, it's not even close. I, mean, I know. I know. I know you like yes. your coffee. Um, favorite way to move your body. Walking, is... rucking, rucking, walk, walk, running. Rucking? Well, no, rucking is like, you know, carrying, it's a backpack with weights in it. Oh, that's right. Like rucking. the military. That's, yeah, I've got a jacked up knee. That's the best exercise I can sustain. So will you like put on a back, like a weighted yeah, bag and go? Yeah. Okay. yeah, just go for a walk. So uh, it depends. I try and do uh, 10,000 steps a day. I'm a little behind today. Today I am at 5,500. And you live in New York City. You cannot, a New York, New York City person cannot do less than 10,000 steps a day. I mean, it, it is, it is, I think yesterday I did eight miles without trying. Yeah. I love it. That's I'll, I'll love get to it by there. the end of the day. Yeah. Love it. I, I wish 
wish there's more of that around where I am, but everything's so spread out. So love it. All right, brother. Well, I'll be seeing you soon. And thank you. Thank you for coming. I know making the time and all the things you have going on means. No, no worries. Thank you. Well, to join the chat and to everybody who's listening. Hey, keep going. Thank you for tuning in. Grateful for everything God's doing through you, through your leadership, through your community. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. Jefferson showed me when you came up to our art of teaching stuff. And I was like, is it like, I don't understand why she's coming. How can we help? And and, she's, and then I saw you doing your thing and I was like, oh, I can't understand it. This yes. woman can preach. I've preached through my body. A lot of, a yeah. lot of embodied, like I can't help it. It's going to come out my pores. But yeah. even but then you, you actually did preach for us. You actually get I did. Too. I yes. preached for you of all people. No, like, not hey, just embodied. You actually preached this film. So. did preach. Yeah, that was a joy. Yeah. The art of teaching, guys. I, that's something else you can look and do if you want to expand upon your your love for teaching, teaching the word of God. And I love, and John, I'm just going to honor this too. John is a, just honors and values women, women who love the Lord. And I feel a call. And I, so I feel very honored in your presence. I appreciate that. It is true. Love it. No All worries. Right. Great chatting with you. I'll see you in a you couple too, weeks. You too, brother. See you soon. Right. Peace. Okay. Bye-bye. See ya. Friends, we hope this episode blessed you. And if you love it as much as we did, would you share it with a friend? And be sure to swipe up on the show notes. You will find all the links mentioned in the episode. Let's keep the conversation going. You can leave us an audio message and tell us how this episode sparked something in your heart. We would love to hear from you and hear what you think. Thank you for being here and be sure to connect with us soon in all the places. Peace.